Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Member Engagement Show. Today, I am here with Frank and Colby from Association Briefings, and I'm going to toss it over to Colby first to tell us a little bit about himself and about what they do. Uh, Well, I'm Colby Horton. I am CEO of Association Briefings. Consider us a content studio for associations. We focus mainly on podcasting and data-driven newsletters for organizations. I am a data nerd, a content nerd, and if you put them together, uh, I get really excited. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Wait, if you put them together, does that mean you get a data content nerd? You got it. (laughs) We got all the dates in high school, by the way. You're a data content nerd. Got it. That's exactly right. Frank, you're up. <laughs> wow. Okay. How do I come? <laughs> I am also a nerd, but also the chief business development officer for Association Briefings, and very excited to be here. And well done, Colby, on a little bit of a background for us. I thought it was for being a data content nerd. Right. <laughs> well, it's my side job. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that's why we get along so well is because we're all giant nerds. So, although of the three of us, which one of us has seen Star Wars: The Phantom Menace thirty times? Well, that'd be you. you. I think that that gives me like top nerd status right there. <laughs> um, I am so excited. I know I was on your podcast recently, and I had a lot of fun. And so, I'm very much looking forward to returning the favor, particularly since. I have designed some hot seat questions just for you to return the favor of the ones that you had for me when I came on there. So I'm looking forward to that. But first, maybe we should talk a little bit about the actual content we came here to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about associations and podcasting and what's involved. I think a lot of associations build a podcast, they'll create it, and then that's it. Either a few people might listen to it, they don't get any response, they get discouraged, and they just stop, and it just sits there on podcast platforms everywhere, just gathering dust and making them look bad because it's from three years ago. Oh, another person who started a podcast during the pandemic and didn't finish it. Got it. And you just kind of write them off, right? I've seen a lot of those, I think. Yeah, there's plenty of them. Yeah. Be like, oh, someone so has a podcast. Oh, no, they had a podcast when they were stuck in their house. For an association, what makes sense in terms of starting a podcast? Like, Say I'm an association and I want to start one. What should I look at before I actually make the decision to go ahead and invest time and money in this? Well, I think you really have to look at your your membership first. Let's face it. You're not going to launch a podcast and everyone's going to come listen to it. Your core group of initial podcast listeners are going to be your membership. So if you have a, a small membership number, then maybe the work isn't worth trying to engage those, those few members. So you have to look at your membership, your, your membership numbers. That's your, that's your core group. If there isn't enough to, to keep interest and, and grow and sustain that podcast, you might need to look at a, at a different channel. So look there first. I, I think it's important to also check the engagement levels of the different resources you have. And there's not a lot there, then you know maybe it's not worth jumping into it. So definitely see 
if people are reading your e-newsletter, if they are in the community forums, if they're responding to the different things you're putting out there and say, okay, well, they're engaged. Let's add something else to the mix. And I think too, if you don't have an audio component to your content set, then podcasting is is great because I think we all ingest content differently. Some of us love to read it. Some of us love to watch it. And I think there's a growing number of folks that like to listen to it as well. And there's something, uh, the, the portability of a podcast is huge. So if you don't have an audio element to your content mix, podcasting is perfect for you. So I'm going to throw a wild card in here and say, what about audio podcasting versus video podcasting? Yeah, we get that question a lot. And I think over the course of the last few years, you know, podcasting has obviously exploded. We actually push audio more than video here. And, and you know, don't criticize us for that. Uh, I think that there's just something, again, very portable about audio. You can listen to it while you're commuting. You can listen to it while you're working out. You can listen to it while you're uh, taking your kid to, to soccer practice, but you don't need to watch it. If someone wants a video podcast, we welcome that. That, In our opinion, that's more supplementary than the audio. So the video is going to supplement the audio all day long, but it's the audio that people are going to embrace, they're going to listen to, they're going to take with them, as opposed to sitting there and, and being engaged with the video. Because again, over the last two and a half years, all we've done is stared at a video screen and a video podcast really looks like a, a just a nicer version of, a, of, of Zoom. And so we're tired of watching, but we can certainly listen and we've become so accustomed to multitasking that we can do everything and still have a podcast going on behind us, listening to it and really getting the key elements of that podcast ingrained in our mind. I will say I, I do have, I love my podcasts. I love listening to them. It's very soothing not to have to look at the video necessarily, but I mean, you can do that. You can, you know, the, the opportunity to use it in two different channels does come up if you've got a video because you can take the audio from it and use it as an audio podcast, but you can also put the video up on YouTube and you can go, can go after two different channels, right? Exactly. I think it just kind of depends on, and going back to your audience, like you said about the podcast in the first place, what kind of format are they going to want? So I do find that one of the things that can be helpful for having a video podcast is that it generally has captions. So I think that that helps, but of course you can't read captions, but obviously that defeats the purpose of making it mobile and being able to listen while you're driving safely. Yeah. Talk about multitasking, right? You're going to watch, yeah. you're going to read, you're going to drive. <laughs> Not something we recommend here. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I do think that the transcription of podcasts, whether it is video or whether it is audio, is extremely important. You know, obviously it makes your podcast ADA friendly. But again, going back to what I've said in the way people ingest or digest content, some folks still like to read it. Some people still like to to read along with what's being said. And I think that transcription really helps. So whether you're doing audio or video, make sure you're transcribing as well. Yeah, and I think that you know, video obviously has a secondary audience, people who find you on YouTube and you could link to the podcast. There was that as well. Yeah, that's great. you can use both. So that said, if you're gonna choose just one, I recommend getting started with just the audio. It's, it's much easier. 
So you guys have a podcast engaging in the next, which I very much enjoyed being on. It was very well done. So how did engaging in the next get started? First of all, thanks for the shout out. Uh, secondly, if, if we're going to provide podcasting as a service, we, we felt we kind of needed to have our own. But uh, we, we know a lot of talented association leaders that we felt if we interviewed, it can provide a lot of value to the industry as a whole. And when coming up with the strategy, you know, we felt that our young professionals or emerging professionals, however you want to designate them, it's a very hot topic. And trying to find ways to attract and engage them would be a, a benefit to everyone. So that's kind of the theme we came up with. And like any podcast, you should probably have a strategy before we start anything. And that's that's really important because I think a lot of associations go into it just thinking, oh, well, let's, let's podcast. There's a lot more to it. And that strategy is huge. You have to have some type of direction uh, for your podcast in order to make it, I mean, a podcast is a story. You're, you're telling a story about your association. It has to have chapters. It has to be fluid. And so that's where that strategy comes in. And we spent a lot of time trying to figure out exactly what strategy we wanted to go with. And there's tons of different ways you can do this. And, and actually brings up a, a point about podcasts. Associations don't have to have just one podcast. If you have a theme, ours was you know how to engage young professionals. You have that theme, but you can generate a different podcast that talks about something else and, and drive people to it. The strategy is so important in the beginning to drive what future episodes look like. Right. I liked what I like what you said about a podcast is a story. It has to have chapters, it has to begin, it has to have some structure to it. And I think that's a lot of that and a common threaded theme throughout each episode, I think is what a lot of people miss. Agreed. You know, if you look at like the the top genres of podcasting, you know, comedy is number one. Number three is true crime. And while neither of those probably have anything to do with your association, what brings people to those type of podcasts is the storytelling element. I mean, with true crime, you know, it's it, it could be one story that goes 12 episodes and each each episode, there's a cliffhanger that, that drives people to come back to it. So you look at these popular podcast genres and while they may not be relevant, you can take bits and pieces out of those and bring it into your podcasting strategy as an association as well. So again, just all part of that strategy and all part of that storytelling element. I love that. I was listening to uh, Rachel Maddow's new podcast over the weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm a history nerd too. I always love the oddball stuff in history. And so she had the Bagman one a couple of years ago, and now she's got this new one out called Ultra. And it's about this German Nazi plot in the late thirties in the U S and it's just, it's fascinating. And I was listening to yesterday. I love listening to her talk. I would listen to podcasts from her all day, all day long, just because she's such a good storyteller. Exactly. So associations had to take that same element into what they're putting out there. This remember, this isn't a blog that we're putting together. It's not a video we're putting together. It takes a very big storytelling element to keep people to come and come back to your podcast episode after episode. I think too, for an association, it really needs to resonate. Whatever that theme is, needs to resonate with your value proposition. Agreed. Are there things that, you know, other things that you wish that you had known when you got started that you know now? Anything else that you wish you'd known? Um, there, there's, there's two things that I wish I had known. One is that it doesn't cost as much as I thought it was going to, to start a podcast. You know, I thought here we are going to have to, 
buy all these expensive mics, have a platform to record, line all of our walls with some kind of acoustic paneling to, to make sure it's not so echoey. And what I realized is you can get a cheap mic, you can record off of Zoom, and you don't need those panelings. And you can get a podcast up and going fairly inexpensively. Now, we're gonna, we can certainly talk about what it takes to post-produce and to have a producer and to promote and all that. And there's obviously a lot of cost involved in that. But with just the recording, it doesn't cost as much as, as one might think. And then second, it was a matter of, well, do we have enough content to fill a, a 25 to 30 minute podcast. And I, what we realized really quickly is if you find the right guests and you find the right hosts, that having a conversation for that long really doesn't take as, as much as we thought it would. So just authentic conversation, just it just happened. Hey, Colby, I have one thing. Do you recall how episode one sounded? No, because I, I refuse to go back and listen to it. It makes me so uncomfortable to think about episode one. We were not, well, I'm not even going to say we're podcast hosting pros now because I, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, but we certainly have learned a lot in in the almost year of, of episodes that we've put together. Yeah, the, the content can be serious, but don't take yourself so seriously. I, I think we've shown a lot more of our own personalities as the season has gone on and not so buttoned up as it was in the beginning. Right. I think a robot could have probably hosted our first couple of episodes <laughs> and done just as well. <laughs> I definitely think personality is important. Um, I think that personality can be what brings people back to listen again and again, knowing that authentic voice that you're talking about just that and knowing that that's what you're going to get especially if you're not doing the same story like over a bunch of time like the ones I was talking about are both you know six or seven episodes there's a cliffhanger each time it's telling one cohesive story the true crime ones you were talking about same thing it might be 12 episodes but it's telling one story with association podcasts you're usually telling a different story each time and it's got a theme and it resonates but what brings people back is knowing they're going to get that authentic voice and what kind of questions they're going to get. And I think that's really important, which is why that finding that host piece is so critical. Yeah, I think and the, the host is your biggest obstacle when starting a podcast because it, it, it's, just, it's just not something that's innate to, to everyone. We talk to, we talk to associations all the time who say, you know, oh, our board president is going to host this podcast. Well, what experience does that person have? Can they carry a conversation? Can they have follow-up questions to, you know, what's being presented? It's not cut out for, for everyone. And the host is your biggest obstacle. You find the right host. They're, they're the ones who are going to drive the podcast. They're going to be the, the personality. They're going to be the people that everyone relates to. So find the right host right away and you're going to have a successful podcast. Yeah, that's definitely critical. And I think if you're having trouble finding that, you might want to look at conferences, at presentations, at people who have done a really good job of facilitating panels, whether it was on Zoom or in person or both. That kind of person, it's a skill set that's not easily learned. It's usually pretty innate. Somebody who can just keep a conversation flowing and going. And Right. And don't be afraid to look around your office either because uh, the, the, the guy in accounting... Uh, who's who's cutting checks each month? Who knows? Maybe they have a side podcast about 
something interesting and, and would be very willing to, to jump into this or the intern that you just hired also may have some kind of broadcasting degree or, or whatever. There are going to be, there, there is going to be someone to host your podcast. You have to look around and they're, they're, they're waiting in the wings. Put me in coach. They're ready to go. What would you say to the associations that say, oh, we're just going to have somebody different do it every time? <sighs> we, we have associations that do that and it can work. What you lose when you do it is, again, that, that personality that everyone gets to know and comes back to hear. If a really strong host hosted the last episode they heard and they come back and it's someone new, you may have lost a listener. So while that rotating host can certainly work, you do lose some of that authenticity of a podcast when, when you go that direction. Agreed. That consistency and knowing what you're going to get, going back to that again, it's just really important, I think. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about non-dues revenue. Everybody's favorite topic, NDR. <laughs> Obviously, always a big topic with associations, more so now than ever. What are the solid NDR opportunities for associations who host their own podcasts? You know, while non-dues revenue is, is really big right now, what's also huge is finding something new and exciting for your vendors, you know. They might already advertise in your magazine, on your website, in your newsletter, but you know, podcasts can be a new opportunity for them to, to stay in front of your, your audience. And it really comes down to find that package that works best for the vendor themselves. Uh, they might want to sponsor an entire season. They might want to sponsor you know, one episode. You know, aside from just having them be a sponsor, also promoting uh, them in your newsletter as being the sponsor of your podcast. Uh, you know, on your social media that they're sponsoring the latest podcast, kind of having a couple prong approach to promoting the podcast, promoting on your website, promoting on social media, as well as newsletters. So everyone knows that they are the sponsor for that podcast, because aside from promoting the podcast itself, you know, letting everyone know who was involved in the process and helping create it is key there too. And you know, Beth, when it comes to adding like sponsorship or ads into a podcast, Avid podcast listeners kind of expect for the conversation to be broken up by some kind of ad. I mean, there's lots of stats that, that say, you know, like 81% of podcast listeners pay attention to podcast ads and 60% of podcast listeners have bought something from a podcast ad. So they, they expect it. And I would actually argue that if you don't have a sponsorship within your podcast, that you're actually not showing the value of that podcast, the credibility of the podcast. What you want to do is show that your podcast is so amazing that this sponsor wants to put their name onto the podcast as, as being a, a part of it. So we hear a lot from associations that, oh, hey, our podcast is you know, filled with thought leadership. We can't, we can't contaminate it with a, with you know, a sponsor. And it's so... It's not the right direction to go. We're not saying to, to put five different sponsors into a 30-minute podcast. But as Frank said, if you can get one to sponsor the episode and provide maybe not even a, a, a commercial per se, but provide a 30-second thought leadership piece, then it's, it's kind of a win-win for everyone. But I would say to an association who doesn't want to put an ad in their podcast, they need to throw that away. They need to they need to embrace that because that's what's expected. And if you don't want to put a sponsor in there, 
house ads are great as well. And just see what kind of uh, response you get from your listeners. I bet it's going to be fairly positive in the end. On that note, this episode is sponsored by HireLogic Thrive. Have you tried the new HireLogic Thrive platform? It's fantastic. <laughs> Very fluid. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. I will say those are probably the same associations that don't hesitate to put 50, 60, 80 different sponsor names all over their annual conference that's supposed to be for education, right? It's like, what's the difference? Right. And the thing is, going back to what Frank said too, they've probably been putting those 80 different conference logos on that, you know, on that conference page for the last 10 years. Right. You know, podcasting gives the opportunity for a, a brand new sponsorship initiative that really your vendors or your supplier community is going to jump all over because it's exciting. It's new. And they want to be one of the first to, to, to put their, their commercial out there. Right. I mean, they're always looking for new things to allow people to sponsor at their exhibits. They're, you know, they don't mind sending out a thought leadership piece with a name on it or even thought leadership piece for another event for a vendor. So what's wrong? This is like saying, oh, I, I couldn't possibly sell up my half hour sitcom with commercials. Mm-hmm. Don't you? I mean, right. to your point, it's expected. People expect it. Let's turn it around on the other side, though. What do you need to show the advertisers to make them actually want to advertise? What do you need? To, I mean, we've talked about that consistency and everything else. You can't just go out with episode one and say, apparently, you really can't go out with episode one and just say, <laughs> okay, come advertise with us. You, you have to little, have a little bit of reputation built up. You've got to have something, right? Yeah. And it's not to say you can't have a sponsor for episode one. I think the expectations of both the sponsor and the association needs to be put out there. If you think you're launching a podcast and you're going to have 10,000 listeners on day one or during season one or even season two, your your expectations are really too high. So it's really showing more value to the advertiser. As Frank said, yes, you're going to be you know, a 30-second mid-roll in our podcast. We're going to, to, to thank you for your sponsorship in the beginning. We're going to thank you again at the end, but we're also going to get you on our social media. We're also going to put you in our newsletters as sponsors of that particular episode of the podcast. So it's more cross channel while you're building that audience. When you're pricing season one and maybe even season two, you should price it a little bit lower than what it's going to be later on because your stats simply are not going to be there, but they will be. Uh, again, if you stay consistent, et cetera. So set those expectations before you launch. But it doesn't mean you can't have a sponsor for that episode one. I think that kind of goes for anything, though. For anything like that, anything that's new, you've got to set the expectations. Right. And be transparent about it. Yes. I mean, a- advertisers aren't aren't dumb. They know that it takes a little while to build an audience or build a subscriber base or or build a, a, a newsletter following, whatever it is. You're, you're absolutely right. This isn't new. This is across all of our channels. Um, it's just podcasting is the cool thing to talk about right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Vogue didn't launch their first ever magazine without having a few advertisers in there. So That's correct. And that was before they were Vogue. <laughs> so what tips do you have for finding guests for your podcast? You know, as we talked about it a moment ago, those you know speakers at a conference, those people who are you know conducting the webinars, uh, even looking at you know industry leaders that might be great fits for particular topics that you're going to talk about, 
um, emerging professionals and what they're doing, even the influencers in your community forum. There's just a lot of ways you can get those people involved. And I think a, a strategy when you're having them on your podcast is have a, a pre-show call first, maybe a quick 30-minute call between the guests and the host to, to build rapport there. We don't want the actual recording to be like a first date. You want to have a little bit of rapport there so they can talk about what the episode's flow will be, not necessarily a run-through, but just an idea of how it'll go. That way, it makes for a much better podcast episode. Agreed. I, I, you talk about not wanting to go back and watch or listen to episode one. Uh, the two that I don't like to go back and listen to as much are the one, two that I was not on the pre-call. And mm -hmm. the rapport just isn't there. It's great. I mean, it's great conversation. You know, great information. The people who were on were fantastic. It's just that there was no rapport there. So it makes it a little bit more dull. Exactly. Once you find the guests, do you have any tips for inviting them? Or are there any do's and don'ts you recommend work when it comes to working with guests in general? You know, I think it's all about everyone's personal brand, right? We all want to be involved to make ourselves look great. And so when you're inviting, that's all you have to do. You just have to appeal to their expertise and their personal brand. Hey, we'd love you to be on this show because you're so great at what you do. And nine and a half out of 10 times, they're going to say, book me. I'm, I'm ready to go. So it's just, it's just appealing to that. We've got the guests or we talk about the guests, but what tips do you have for finding topics for podcasts? How do you determine what your next topics are going to be? Yeah. If you're an association is, is, is find those, you know, sessions that were highly attended, you know, what are the hot topics right now? What are people talking about in your community forum? You know, what articles in your newsletter are getting the most clicks? So there's a lot out there that you already have data on that you can use as topics for your podcast. I agree. There's always conversation around like annual conference sessions or whatever big conference sessions. Oh, okay. Well, we have to leave room for a couple of topics that are going to come. There's always hot topics. Why wait until the conference? Right. And the industry dictates that. I mean, industry news is all over the place. You know what's going on. So you're right. Why wait for once a year to, to discuss it all? That's what podcasts are, are brought in for. And dang it, all these associations who look at their Google Analytics and all their web traffic and what pages on their site is being uh, looked at the most, that's not, I mean, that, that's great board report material, but it's also great podcast content material as well. So if you're doing the work to go into your, your analytics software and take a look at what's popular, utilize it for, for generating content for your podcast as well. Community is also a great place to go too, because you can go to the community and see what people are talking about. You can pull keywords from the posts and see what people have been posting about and what, what they're looking at which is a great place to go. And once again, this episode is sponsored by Higher Logic Thrive. Get members for life with Higher Logic Thrive. <laughs> <laughs> you like how I'm just throwing those in there? Keep doing it. Yeah, I, I feel... <laughs> <laughs> we're we're, we're going to have to start saying it soon. I mean, yeah. I, I feel... <laughs> so do you have some tips on how to promote your podcast and drive traffic to it? So you've got it there, you've built it. How do you get people to actually show up? I think this is the piece that most associations completely forget about. You know, they, they pat themselves on the back because they've released an episode and that's that. But it's the promotion is as important as the, the production value of, of these podcasts. 
So what we recommend for associations to do is promote, 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 promote. When you know who is going to be on your next show, you promote it. A week before that show is released, you promote it. When it's dropped, you promote it. A week after that, you promote it. A week after that, you promote it again. And you just take bits and pieces of what's in the content of that podcast and you create quotes that you can put on LinkedIn. You create audiograms you can put on Instagram or Facebook. But it is a continuous job to make sure that you're promoting. And it's funny that as you promote, as you drop a new episode, suddenly all your past episodes get a little bump in traffic as well. And it's because of that promotion. You know, we also suggest that not only the association promote, but your best advocate is your guests and your hosts. So make sure that you're providing them a good social post and some good social media assets that they can do on their LinkedIn or their Facebook or their Instagram or whatever uh, to help promote as well. That's free advertising right there. Oh, yeah. One of the things that we tend to do is we tend to make a blog post from the -hmm. content as well sort of sum up some of it and then link back to it. So it gives us a little bit extra boost, but with associations, particularly if you're very topic heavy, um, there's those topics always come back up again. And I think on social, that's a great opportunity to bring that back out and get another bump. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that it's funny that they don't think twice about sending 500 emails to get you to come to the conference, but you want to send an email to promote the podcast. Oh no, we can't do that. They get too much email. Yeah, it, it's always funny when you talk to associations who have launched a podcast and are like, well, our traffic's not real great. Well, how many times did you promote it? Oh, we, we promoted it when we dropped the episode. Well, that's not enough, you know, especially with the algorithms of how social media works, right? Most of your members are going to miss it the first time anyway. So hit them again, particularly on Twitter. You know, you can, you oh, can yeah. constantly hit them with, with new stuff there. I think Twitter was so aptly named, not because it's like a small little tweet, but because the attention span of anyone reading mm-hmm. Twitter at that moment is that of a bird yeah yes a very tiny bird yes <laughs> is there anything else that we've talked we haven't talked about yet that you know, just to wrap up that part of it you know, anything else about podcasts that we haven't really talked about that you want to get in there look podcasts have been around for a while i mean if you look at early podcasting like literally in 2005 it, it was there it's just exploded a lot over the last two years and i a lot of people ask you know, when's that podcast bubble going to burst And it's really not because of the way we work, the way we commute, the way, you know, we, we, our family time where we work, all of this stuff lends itself that podcasting is going to be around a while. So associations, if you're on the fence, you need to seriously look at it now, because if you don't, your competitors are or your industry suppliers are. And if you want to be the true voice of your industry and you want to be able to control that message or mold that message, podcasting's your your perfect opportunity. Now's the time to do it. And while you're while you're sitting on that fence before you get off, stand up and look around and find the right host because mm-hmm. you only get a first one chance to make a good first impression. Exactly. So, before we go, uh-oh. You guys, you guys were kind enough to come up with some very interesting questions that I really had to think about on the fly. So even though I don't normally do this, I've decided for this podcast, I'm going to add in some hot seat questions. <laughs> Are you ready? This I makes me so. more nervous than actually talking. So, <laughs> uh... Now you know how I felt when I was. <laughs> so, I'm sweating. No, no. I made, I made it virtually painless. Virtually. Right. 
Colby, what is your go-to karaoke song? Or if you don't karaoke, what is the song that you just have to run out onto the dance floor for? Uh, my go-to karaoke song uh, would have to be uh, Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places because oh, you can start point. singing that and everyone else will sing and drown out your terrible voice. <laughs> so you're cheating. That's what you're saying. That's yes. what I heard. Yes. Frank, what about you? I like to take a different route with karaoke. I'm not a good singer. So I will do a song that might be by a popular artist like Bon Jovi, for example, but might not be a karaoke song like the song Always. Slow jam. People might know the chorus, but might not get too excited about it when it comes on. So you like to go under the radar. Yes, go anti-theme. Got it. There you go. Frank always uh, takes a different path. <laughs> All right, well, Frank gets to answer the next one first. Oh, gosh. So um, so I don't want to give you the chance to see hear, hear the question first every time. I'm going to switch it up. So, Frank, what hobby or activity have you sunk an embarrassing amount of money into? Ooh. Um, if it involves losing every year, I would say fantasy football, possibly. <laughs> I think you're in a boat with a lot of people there. <laughs> Colby, what about you? Dang it. Frank took mine. Yeah. Except I was going to take it one step further and talk about daily fantasy sports. Cause I think <laughs> I'm always really awesome at that. And every week I lose, but every week I'll play again. So shame on me. Okay. Back to Colby again first. So if you were in the Olympics, which sport would you compete in and why? I guess it doesn't matter summer or winter, right? Right. Either one. Let's go with uh, with diving because I don't know why. Um, <laughs> because I have a fear. Because of, I like it. I like it. It's a good answer. <laughs> because I have a fear of heights and, and I really admire those guys who can just jump and flip and do all of that. I know I would make a total fool out of myself, but uh, hey, if it can get me over my fear of heights, let's, let's give it a shot. So I'm going to go with diving. Have you ever gone and stood on the end of one of those before? Ooh, no. Yes. And you know what I do? I'm, I'm that guy who then goes back down the ladder because it scares oh, me too right. bad. It's I've terrible. been afraid of heights and say I went on the edge of this one. I was like, nope, not jumping off this. And I am not afraid of heights. Yeah. So. That might have actually created my fear of heights as as 12-year-old Colby Horton getting up on the high <laughs> dive trying to impress someone and realizing, no, I can't do this. <laughs> All right. So Frank, what about you? What sport? What's your Olympic sport? So is is this current day Frankie Mata doing this sport? Because if it is, basketball. Anytime, anywhere. Okay. Basketball is my favorite sport of all time. And to play for Team USA would be incredible. But y'all can't see me. I'm I'm 5'11 on a good day. I have no vertical. Again, I'm, I'm 38. All my shots are going to get blocked. But just being on that big of a stage and being able to play for the team would be a lot of fun. And probably get the ball stolen from me every play. Well, we're going to assume that, you know, you're good enough to have made it to the Olympics. So we're going to assume you're pretty good. I want to be inserted right now. (laughs) (laughs) I want to contest them on Team USA. (laughs) Okay. Um, I I think Team USA needs to listen to this and then come challenge you. We'll go back to Frank. What is the worst meal you've ever cooked? Uh, I'm not a good cook, so I'd say most of them. But uh, (laughs) I did try making a meatloaf a couple of years ago and I thought I'd go a little rogue and throw some things that it might taste good, but you know, fruit and meatloaf could work, but I think the choices I made did not work. I think if you put fruit in your meatloaf, we might have a problem. <laughs> some might work though. Colby, what it, about you? It's like that Friends episode where Rachel puts uh, meat on her 
on her pudding yes. or whatever that yes. was. <laughs> but was. Yes. That that's that's Frank. I I don't cook. Thank you to my wife who does. I can make a mean box of macaroni and cheese. I can also grill, but I tend to burn everything I put out on the grill. Suddenly there's there's usually this large flame and I come in with charred chicken or charred burgers and I put it down in front of my kids and they just they just look at me. <laughs> So, so, basically, uh, so basically what you're saying is if the three of us were staring at it on a desert island, we would die of starvation. Got it. No doubt. Because okay. yeah. no I'm also not a good cook. If you had to choose, Colby, which of the following do you think could exist and why? Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, Yeti, Mothman, or the Chupacabra? Uh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot does exist, right? I've seen plenty of pictures of it, so I'm sure he exists somewhere. I've seen pictures of me like on the moon too but that doesn't mean it happened <laughs> i'm still gonna go with bigfoot he, okay. he, he's a mean hide and seeker i like it frank what about you uh ladies and gentlemen i'm from san antonio texas and a chupacabra is very real it was told to us at a very young age to scare us from going to anywhere we shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a fair enough reason why uh just, okay two more questions left are you ready frank yes what is your cell phone wallpaper? Cell phone wallpaper is the San Antonio Riverwalk around Christmas where all the lights are lit up and there's a little barge going through. Oh, that sounds gorgeous. Colby, what about you? Nice. Mine is uh, me and my three kids in front of Galaxy's Edge at uh, Hollywood Studios. And we all look very happy. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I don't. Why wouldn't you be? Well, it was hot. That's why. We were melting. Okay. All right. Last question. Colby first. You have to choose one celebrity to be your roommate for a month. Who do you pick? Ooh, um, go with someone like Ryan Reynolds because I think he would. Uh, I I think he would be funny. I'm I'm go with him. Gosh, uh, I'm gonna go again against the grain here. I don't know if y'all watch a little show called Boy Meets World, but I might have the actor who played Mr. Feeney come live with me and teach me a lot about you know life's lessons. And also, yeah, <laughs> I'll just stop there. <laughs> so original Boy Meets World from like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That oh, was the original. Me. Yes. I could totally get behind having Will Friedel as my, as my roommate for a month. Okay. There you go. Nice. All right. Well, thank you guys for indulging me and letting me get a little bit back. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate your time. And um, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge. I know there are a lot of associations out there looking to maybe do a podcast still. So thank you so much. And thanks for all that you do to help associations. Uh, get behind those and actually get them up and running. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us, Beth. Appreciate yeah. it, Beth. Thank you. And thank Higher Logic Thrive <laughs> <laughs> for being the sponsor of today's episode. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for getting that in there. And um, if you want to hear some really great podcasts with a lot of really fantastic ideas, definitely check out their podcast, Engaging in the Next. You'll see the link in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can be notified every time we update. And see you next time.